Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Eddie and Mike, the podcast, and sorry for the makeshift setup. Um, my brother's kind of having some internet problems this evening, but nevertheless, we want to do what we got to do, bring the show to y'all, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, have a little Super Bowl review, then we're going to follow that up with Washington Football 2020 season review, as well as an off-season prediction segment. Want to follow that up with the NFL awards and um, a good conversation about transgender and sports. Um, that's going to be a good one. And end it with some caps and wizards. Maybe. <laughs> so, what's up, Eddie? What's going on, man? Not a whole lot, Mike. Just uh, over here trying to pivot. You know, we got to make this work, you know. Rain, uh, snow, sleet, shine, whatever. Got to make it work. So uh, I'm ready to get into it, man. All right. And um, we're not going to do a hold up this episode. Actually, we're kind of starting off at the unfortunate news of the passing of former Washington football team coach Marty Schottenheimer. Um, he was admitted to hospice care last week um, with a bout of Alzheimer's and yeah, it's it's a tough way to go out, and I know one of my favorite memories about Marty um, was the 2001 season, his only season here. Um, obviously, we all remember what happened in 2001 um, with the terrorist attacks uh, on the Twin Towers and the Pentagon. Um, I remember him rocking the Pentagon um, hat or rocking the Virginia fire hat or something like that. Um, it was just nice to have him as a coach um, during a tough time because it seemed like he got it. And it, it kind of reminds me of what Ron Rivera had to go through in his first season in Washington and how he was able to overcome off-the-field stuff too. Um, luckily, he wasn't fired like Marty was. And, yeah, it's, it, <laughs> I hate D.C. Uh, media, Eddie. Because even with Marty's death, it um, it still brought some controversy. Washington Post put out a headline that um, seemed to care more about his playoff failures than his life um, when they posted this obituary, and it just yeah, it's 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 sad, man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think they ended up making a retraction and printing and going with a different story. But I heard the same thing. Um, really low class and you'd think that an organization such as them or a publication if you will you'd think that they would know better but i digress um this one hits close to home man uh i I, just like you i have memories of marty schottenheimer um I, i believe he was an analyst and then we got him out of the booth to come coach if i remember correctly uh and i just i remember him as being kind of one of my dad's favorite coaches he was a real stable guy uh, I used to love to see some of those NFL films. He always had this pregame speech where he said, man, there's a gleam. There's a gleam, and he'd get everybody fired up. Um, you know, a lot of people don't remember how that season went. Uh, he was only with us for one year. We started 0-8, and, and we finished 8-8. Eight eight. He had all of these guys that he really didn't get to, like, draft or sign as free agents. He had all of them buying into Marty Ball. And, I mean – Let's be really clear. 
the quarterbacks, if I remember correctly, were Tony Banks, mm-hmm. Sage Rosenfels, Kent Graham. Yeah, no disrespect to any of those guys. No disrespect to any of those guys, but I mean, come on, man. And, and let let's kind of go what what Washington Post is saying. So we want to talk about his playoff failures. I hate to do this because I know it sounds you like oh well in the end they still lost. So one of his losses was to John Elway in a eighty some yard drive that's labeled the drive. Fast forward, John Elway's a Hall of Famer. Um, I, If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was another game against John Elway in which Ernest Biner was at the goal line, was literally was, was going to walk into the end zone, and somehow he fumbles it. And the fumble bounces right to the Broncos. Ernest Biner would go on to win a championship with the Redskins, and he would uh, actually kind of, in a way, dedicate that to Cleveland because I'm pretty sure he <laughs> he carried a burden there. Um, and then go to San Diego. They, they're beating the Patriots, uh, I want to say 21 to, 21 to 13, 21 to 6. Mm-hmm. Drayton Florence gets an interception and is running down the sideline, or not down the sideline, but is returning the interception. And then he gets hit and fumbles it. And that keeps the Patriots alive in that, in that playoffs. They end up winning. And ended up, I believe, being the last football game he coached. Um, now... I went and did some digging because I remember Marty Schottenhuber being legendary despite the fact that he had little success in the playoffs. He always seemed to make it to the championship game, uh, division that is, or conference championship, and lose. But he's in great company in terms of all-time wins. Along with Marty Schottenheimer are Don Shula, George Hallis, Bill Belichick, Tom Landry, Curly Lambeau, and Andy Reid. Pretty damn good company to keep. And I'll go even further. He has a better win percentage than Bill Parcells, Chuck Knoll, Marv Levy, and Hank Stram. Also, Hall of Famers, legendary coaches. Uh, I mean, the first two, Parcells and Knoll, there's what, uh, six championships right there? Marv Levy went to four with the Bills. Hank Stram won one with Kansas City. I mean, it's really kind of baffling that the Washington Post would do that, but um, it, it just really hurts. Uh, it's a sign of times, you know, we're getting old. Uh, unfortunately, the Alzheimer's thing really hurts because I have a lot of family um, that have passed away from Alzheimer's. So it's a bummer, and uh, our thoughts go out to him and his family. I believe his son is still coaching. Yeah, he's with the Jets. Well, um, yeah. Uh, my heart goes out to him and the rest of the Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer family. Uh, I'm very sorry for your loss, and, uh, you know, we're grieving over here a little bit too. Yeah, and that, that 0-1 season, so it, they didn't start off 0-8. They started off 0-5, but they won five straight. And I remember um, the first game they won that season was – you. I know you remember – um, LeVar Arrington had a pick six, basically. We was losing to the Panthers, and yep. it, it looked bleak. <laughs> Things looked bleak. And he caught the interception and kind of turned the season around. Um, they, But, yeah, they lost They lost the first five. They won the next five. And I remember Sports Illustrated had us on the cover after that fifth win. And that's when I started realizing – um, 
about being superstitious and jinxes and whatnot because I remember after that game, Terry Bradshaw was on the post game and he held the um, held the cover of Sports Illustrated up and was like, "This is a curse." <laughs> he said, "This is a curse." So um, yeah, that 2001 season was wild, and I really wish um, Snyder were, had the wherewithal to keep. Marty around because we could have been the Chargers easily. That could have been us. We could have been the ones um, in the playoffs getting our <laughs> getting our feelings hurt. And I'll take that uh, compared to what we got instead. Yeah, uh, we ended up going with Steve Spurrier, and he brought in as many Florida Gators as he could, and it was a quarterback carousel. <laughs> Uh, Shane Matthews, Danny Warfel, Patrick Ramsey. Uh, Patrick Ramsey wasn't a Gator, but still. So yeah, it just it sucks all that much more to go from Marty than to like. So you fired Marty for for this, this. Oh, yeah sideshow. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> rest in peace, Marty. Um, Absolutely. You really, you really had a. It was only a year, but. You really had a good impact on um, Redskins fans. We wish it was longer. And, um, yeah, now that we got that off our chest, um, let's get to the Super Bowl, man. And <laughs> It didn't go as expected. Um, you had the Chiefs blowing the, pay, um, the Brown Buccaneers out. I did. <laughs> I did. Uh, you know... I, I don't know what to say other than this is why they play the game. Um, in no way was I hating on Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do understand there's motivation from when they played the first time around. Um, I'm going to let you speak, and I'll, and I'll say a few more things to what happened and some of the predictions I made. But, again, this is why we play the game. Yeah, and so I I'll admit – I did not know that the Chiefs were missing their two tackles. Maybe it's something that I overlooked. Maybe it's something that I forgot. But, um, yeah, if I knew that heading into the game, I probably would have picked the Bucks, uh, based off that knowledge. But, um, I mean, it is what it is. And, honestly, the, the biggest takeaway from that game is the impact that Brady has had on the NFL since 2001. You don't don't do the things that this man has done. We're talking 10 Super Bowls. He won seven of them things. Could have easily won all 10. (laughs) He could have easily won all 10, and that's that's the the most mind-blowing part about it. He could have lost one of those, though. He definitely could have lost that Seahawks Super Bowl. But anyway, he won seven. Um, yeah, we know the Bucks defense won the Super Bowl. Um, that line was just, they made Mahomes just, I saw a stat, and people were telling me about it too, but I saw it on Twitter that Mahomes basically ran over 470 yards um, that, that game during the Super Bowl. He ran over 470 yards. Uh, basically protecting his wife. <laughs> and the passes that man was making, oh my goodness. I never seen so so many 
ways to throw a football in my life. I'll just say that. And he's he's worth every penny that he's got in that new contract. But at the end of the day, he's not Tom Brady. Um, the man got seven of them things. He was on fire pretty much all night. Um, it was unfortunate that unfortunate that him and Honey Badger got in that beef during the game. Um, you never want to see stuff like that, especially on the highest level. But um, it looks like cooler heads prevailed, and even – Brady and Honey Badger said after the game that um, they talked it out or whatever. So hopefully nothing else goes from there. But, um, yeah, the Bucks they earned it, and you can't take anything away from them. Uh, certainly. Certainly cannot take anything away from them. Um, I'm just going to try to hit on as many things as I can as quickly as I can. Uh, real quick. Just want to throw this out there. Brady does have a Super Bowl because a DB intercepted a pass when a team should have run the ball at the goal line. I'm just throwing that out there. Mm. I I know a lot of the things I'm going to say are going to sound like I sort of have this beef with Brady. My my whole point, just growing up playing team sports, it's a team effort. And I get that Brady's the GOAT. He's been playing for so long. But if you look at numbers, especially from like his first Super Bowls, People were not happy with the numbers that Peyton Manning put up in his final Super Bowl, which were similar to Brady's first. Now, you can argue Peyton Manning was a legend, blah, blah, blah. I digress. I'm not going to get off on a tangent about Tom Brady. I am not taking anything away from him. But as I said in previous podcasts, it is the Brady effect. Um, a few things that I touched on that would be key to the Bucks winning. They ran the ball 33 times for, let me see, I believe about 100 and. We had 145. Mm-hmm. Yep, 33 times for 145 yards. Now, Brady had three touchdowns, only had eight incompletions. So, definitely played very well. Um, I look at six receivers catching the ball. Gronk, two touchdowns. Um, I believe I mentioned something about battle of the tight ends. And between the two tight ends, there's about 16 catches, 200-plus yards, and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense. Now, this is where I'm really a little bit taken back by everybody. You know, like people are breaking their legs, jumping over fences to shout Tom Brady's the goat and this and that. It, the defense picked off Patrick Mahomes twice. Or did they pick him off three times? No, twice. They picked him off twice. Devin White and Levante David played on fire. Mm-hmm. You said it yourself. They had Patrick Mahomes running like he stole something, right? 400-some total yards, negative or positive, running away from from a defense that was just chasing him and in his face all night. So credit to the defense. Um, As a matter of fact, since we're talking about the defense, I believe I said Todd Bowles would be the more important TB than Tom Brady. And the best offense in football was held to three field goals. And I'm going to throw this out there. I I know people are not going to like it. Jameis Winston with a lot of the same play. Well, actually with less of the talent that Tom Brady had, I believe finished second in passing last year. So if you think about it, I know he threw 33 picks and that definitely hurts them. And I understand Brady had less than 33 picks this year, a lot less. Um, but the point being is this was a team effort, a total team effort. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay pretty much dominated that game. Um, I know people are complaining about the flags early on, and trust me, I, I, I don't think any real football fan wants to see 
the refs just throwing laundry play after play. But Kansas City was doing a lot of holding, too. So, I mean, we can't come out here and say, oh, the refs, you know, anything for Tom Brady. Uh, we, we get that, you know, he's he's got some history here and there where, you know, there's some, some questions. But the man is a winner, a proven winner. Wherever he goes, he, it's infectious. People are talking about the the, um, the halftime and pregame speeches, the the texting of players. We're going to win, you know, the whole week leading up to the Super Bowl. So I say all those things to take nothing away from Tom Brady. But again, big plays on first down, whether they, the big play ended up being a penalty or not, running the ball, good defense, tight ends. I got to pat myself on the back since I was completely wrong about the Chiefs defense. I will say this or about the Chiefs as a whole. I'll say this though, and I'm not trying to throw any shade, but I've I pretty much wondered the whole time. Andy Reid's son getting his DUI mm-hmm. that not just not just that he had DUI, but he was in the hospital. And he was it, it was looking like he wasn't looking so good either. But more so, he injured a kid who I believe still has brain damage. Mm-hmm. Now, the Chiefs have reached out and, you know, opened up their services, their resources, what what have you, to try to help the situation. But any father, it's going to be awfully hard to, you know, do your job, whatever it is, when you're worrying about your son. But um, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to throw shade here, so I'll no, keep it moving. It's understandable. And um, when it comes to Brady, I actually – been thinking about Alex Smith a lot. It's it's just something about that quarterback, that position. It it is either going to bring a locker room together or it's going to tear a locker room apart. And yep. I compare Brady to Smith because I saw the effect that Smith had on the team, even though he wasn't producing like Brady was. Um, it's just something about that that old that quarterback. And a young player, when you really, when they really connect with each other, um, yeah, yeah. Sure. I like what Brady, uh, when when somebody was crying after the NFC Championship game, and he was like, "What are you crying for? We got a Super Bowl to win." Um, like it's just stuff like that that only true veterans can say and get away with. Oh yeah, so, pretty sure it was like David. Yeah, it had to be him. Had to be him. But, um, yeah, and that's it for the Super Bowl. It wasn't really the exciting game that we wanted, but it was decent. The commercials were trash. We actually were going to talk about them, but, I mean, it wasn't really much to talk about. Do you have a thought on any commercial? Uh, just from a comic standpoint, I like the bit that Bud Light tried to do with the Avengers. And then um, oh, yeah, as a like fan and a father of a daughter, the the, the little kind of like puny kid seeing the female wrestler and then he, you know, you're the best around. <laughs> he starts getting pumped and they do the montage. I thought that was cool. But, you know what I mean? Yeah. At this point, it's I'm only watching for football. I'm, I'm not there for the commercials. Right. A lot of money wasted. Yeah. And that's it for the first segment. Um, coming up next, we're going to talk about the Washington football team 2020 season. Um, give our thoughts on that, as well as our thoughts on the upcoming off season. And yeah, you know where you're at, Eddie and Mike the podcast. We do what we got to do. No internet, internet. We do what we got to do. <laughs> we ain't. <laughs> <laughs>
going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now. Because it's Eddie and Mike, podcast for life. <laughs> Welcome back, y'all. We're going to talk about Washington football team's 2020 season. Um, Eddie, what, how did you feel about last year? What, in your mind, as a Washington football team, formerly a Washington Redskins fan, what the heck were you thinking during the 2020 season? Um, you know, honestly, it reminded me a lot of these movies uh, you watched as a kid. Um, you know, there's a little early success. And then all of a sudden, there's controversy. There's uh, there's adversity. Uh, there's things you got to deal with. And then you kind of get that montage, and people kind of start to like, you know, gel. And, and and that's really what happened, right? We didn't start off so good against the Eagles. Apparently, Dwayne Haskins had to give a halftime speech because Ron Rivera was getting an IV because dealing with the whole cancer thing, right? So then we come out and we come back against the Eagles, almost like they did to us the year before when we had Case Keenum. And so it's like, all right, solid way to start the year off, win against the division opponent, Dwayne Haskins, the halftime speech, he's young, this and that. And then that's when, like I said, we run into the controversy and the adversity because Haskins really did not look good at all. And then, you know, there's there's talk starting to come out of him just – not really being a team player, the whole thing with uh, going out to the, the strip club or whatever it was, the birthday party he went to. Um, and you look at a lot of these games. I mean, Ravens whooped up on us pretty good. The Browns kind of whooped up on us. The Rams did too. But then you look in the division, and I know our division wasn't great. I get it. I'm not trying to front. But we only lost to one by the Giants. We mollywopped the Cowboys 25-3. to Then we lost by three to the Giants. Only lost by three to the Lions. Got a big win against the Bengals. Um, I say that because I think before um, Joe Burrow got hurt, I, I think it was a lot closer of a game. And I think what happened is we started coming around. Then we got another win on Thanksgiving against um, against the Cowboys. And then this is really what I think turned it around for us. The Steelers are coming in undefeated. And I think they slept on us. I think they looked past us. I think the fact that we were a little bit uh, erratic and unpredictable played in our favor. We got the win. We got another solid win against the 49ers. The 49ers are missing tons of talent all year. So I don't want to front like, oh, well, we beat the team that almost won the Super Bowl. I, I, I'm, I'm realistic. I'm a truth teller here. All right. Um, losing to the Panthers, I know that hurt. That hurt Rivera because that game was somewhat close. And then we closed it out with a win against the Eagles to get the division. I don't want to care what anybody says about benching Wentz for hurt and this and that we were or, or uh Nate Sudfeld even I, I don't even want to hear it we won that game we won our division we gave Tom Brady all he wanted and then some um I know there wasn't a lot of tape on Taylor Heineke but uh we still he had a great performance against the Bucks. I thought our team considering how young they are played good against the Bucks. um the thing that worried me was Dwayne Haskins development I get that he didn't pan out at all but scott turner north turner's son this was his first year as a coordinator too so i'm really worried that we were sacrificing 
development of some of our young talent so that some of your young coaches could come around. Um, overall, though, I love like ending the way we did to get to the playoffs, playing as hard as we did. I think that's something we can really build on for the future. How about you, Mike? So, entering the season, I expected it to be a rebuild year. Just a straight-up rebuild year. I wasn't expecting much. Um, I said seven wins was the most likely scenario, but I didn't expect that to go to to be a playoff um, berth. I thought this year was more about learning who would be the building blocks towards the future. That's why I wasn't mad that um, Haskins started. We just needed to know if the Bama was going to be a quarterback or not for the future. We learned quickly that the answer was no. (laughs) Bama even came back towards the end of the season and blew it again. And this was after the strip club. So we know the quarterback situation is shaky. Um, Outside of that, the rest of the team actually overperformed last year. And that's why they were able to um, make the playoffs. I know the NFC East was trash. But let's not act like that they haven't been trash the last few seasons. The Eagles just went to the playoffs at 8-8 a couple of years ago. I think it was after their Super Bowl. So let's not act like that the um, NFC East was this juggernaut the last 10 years or so. They've been struggling for a while. It just so happened that last year was the Redskins turn to win the division. Um... As far as the rest of 2020, I mean, the name change was unfortunate, but probably necessary. Um, Rivera with the cancer, um, the, the scandals. Like, last year was just crazy. So the fact that they were able to even play through all that nonsense and win a division, that's an accomplishment in itself. Now, as far as the offseason goes, <laughs> there's so much happening right now, Eddie. On one hand, I was one of those people that didn't want um, to enter the season with Taylor Heineke as the starter. Um, but today, he signed a two-year contract. <clears throat> Sorry about that. And it's not for starter money. It's not even $10 million, I think, for both years. But it's a two-year contract for a quarterback. It's only him and Alex Smith on the con- on the roster right now. Um, they may bring Allen back. I, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. And it's starting to look like that they're going to roll with Heineke Allen and a rookie to be named. Is that rookie going to be in the top ten? Is that rookie going to be a third-round pick? I don't know what's going to happen. But I think my dreams of bringing in an elite talent, an elite vet, um, they're not going to come true this offseason. I think they're going to go with some guys that they want, that they can craft on their own. So I don't think Darnold's coming here. don't think Mariota's coming here. Um, you might be able to get Carr, but that's about it if he becomes available. With the rest of the team, especially um, defense, I think that's going to have to be addressed with the free agency. The linebacker, you may be able to get with a first-round pick, but everything else probably is going to have to come through free agency. Rather, that's another safety, 
um, an additional linebacker. But it, it should be an interesting offseason, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Uh, you never know what to expect with that old riverboat Ron calling the shots. Um, I personally, just looking at the way things are going, I've heard some rumors that uh, the Colts and the Bears might be interested in Mariota. Uh, I've heard that the Raiders are trying to potentially uh, dangle Carr and maybe some picks to Houston for uh, Deshaun Watson. I don't know how valid that is. Um, but for me personally, man, I still think Dak is definitely an option. I, I understand. I'm starting to kind of sound like, all right, you know, you need to let this Dak thing go. <laughs> but um, he did follow us on Instagram when he doesn't follow any other team. And uh, from all uh, information available, it seems that him and uh, that he and Dallas are not even close to a contract. Um, mm-hmm. A few different guys that I've seen linked to us. Uh, I've seen Keelan Cole and Corey Davis at wide receiver. Allen Robinson is someone that I've been vocal about wanting to come here. I've seen him linked. Um, I mentioned this to you uh, during our break, but one publication had uh, Yannick Ngagwe, who's a uh, defensive lineman, I believe, coming from Jacksonville, then from Minnesota. Uh, I think he finished the season with Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know why we'd be going after a defensive lineman. I'm going to throw something out there that I wouldn't mind us doing. Obviously, I'm hoping that we're going to re-sign Brandon Sheriff. But uh, I want to make sure I say his name, his last name right. Joe uh, Thunny or Thuny. He's a lineman for the New England Patriots. Uh, they're looking like they're kind of Kirk Cousining him out of New England. I think they franchised him this past year and aren't coming to an agreement because Bill Belichick's just a extremely tough negotiator. I wouldn't mind pairing him with Sheriff, have two solid guards. Um, Orlando Brown, who's a tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of people remember his dad, the guy that got the mm-hmm. flag. I was partially blind for a time. Um, Orlando Brown has requested a trade from Baltimore. Um, at DB, now I'm just going to throw this out there for all the fanboy fantasy football types. Patrick Peterson apparently is going to become available. Um, I know he's lost a step. I assume he would end up in a more elite place, maybe a New England, something like that. But that wouldn't be bad. Um, you mentioned safety, Malik Hooker. Malik Hooker oh, is really? solid. Now, he hurt his Achilles, but I'm pretty sure, I think it's San Francisco where he was, I'm pretty sure they are not picking up his fifth-year option. Um so when I look at it, signing Heineke was definitely a, a prudent thing to do. Uh, I hope everybody looks at the fact that we gave him two years, $8.75 million, I believe. That's not starter money. Um, he's going to get the opportunity to compete, and I believe there are some incentives in the contract based on how many games he plays. But I'm of the belief that we are probably going to roll with him and maybe Kyle Allen and we're going to either, via the draft or free agency, try to go get somebody. I don't think Heineke is this all-world beater that everybody seems to think he is after one game. Um, I'm not a hater. I'm rooting for him. But I'm also realistic. This is not, um, you know, it's not a video game. He's not going to be able to do that all the time, especially once teams pick up on his tendencies, his cadence, things like that, and there's more film. I, I truly believe that. 
because um, the NFL stands for not for long. Uh, so me personally, like I said, I'd love to see us go get one of those linemen, Allen Robinson, Corey Davis. I, he's tough, man. I'd be fine with us having him at wide receiver. We need somebody opposite Terry. So I actually off season. I actually think um, instead of going after Allen Robinson, that the better move would be to sign Corey Davis and um, Curtis Samuel, and get more bang for your buck. And then I have you come heard. in with with Corey. With, um, you come in with um, Corey Davis. I mean, not Corey Davis. Um, you come in with the. Is it Corey Davis or Brown? Who are you talking about? The receiver. Brown? Corey Davis plays for the Titans. Titans they also right. Brown. They have both of them. Oh, the okay. And which one is the free agent? <laughs> Corey Davis. All right, cool, cool. I, I always mix them up. So if you can, if you can come in next year with Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, another Titan. Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and maybe another short down back to replace Barber. You add another quarterback to that, and suddenly your offense that was sputtering all 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 season last season, it looks better entering 2021. I agree with you on Curtis Samuel. Um, I did. Uh, I didn't neglect to mention him. Um, I just got to be honest. I was, I was a little bit giddy. I think I mentioned this to you. I just kind of psyched thinking about what if we do stack up that O-line, like I was mentioning with Orlando Brown and Thuney or Thuney. I, I hope I say his name right. Correct me if I'm, you know, anybody, you know, if you listen to the podcast, correct me in the comments. I think um, but, okay. But he's, I mean, you figure him and Sheriff and, and Orlando Brown, I mean, that's, that's a little much. I don't know that we have all the money and <laughs> all that. But, you know, the old hogs, that'd be great. But Curtis Samuel, I'll say this. He was solid at Ohio State. They used him as a running back as well as a receiver at Ohio State. Carolina was doing the same thing with some end arounds and some trick plays. I love Steve Sims Jr., and I think he's electric. But Curtis Samuels might be an upgrade for sure at that slot. Oh, yeah, that's uh, not even a question. I, yeah. So, so I'm with you on that. Curtis Samuel, yeah, I, I could be in on that for sure. All right. And um, we're going to end this segment just talking about the NFL awards. Um, it was something that we expected. <laughs> like, we expected Aaron Rodgers to win MVP. Most sane people expected Justin Herbert to win Offensive Rookie of the Year and Chase Young to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. But I hear that you have a beef or that – you have beef with people who have beef with the NFL Defensive Player of the Year award. What's going on? Mike, you can call me the Burger King. <laughs> I, I mean, I want all the smoke right now. So real quick, before I before I get into this, big shout-out to Chase Young and Alex Smith on their awards. They more than deserve it. I would have loved to see Ron Rivera get Coach of the Year, but I'm not mad at all that Stefanski got it. He did a great job with those Browns. They made the playoffs. They gave the Chiefs all they wanted and then some. But, bro, and look, this ain't even about race, so I'm, I'm completely dismissing that right now just in case, all right? There are people out there that are comparing the stats of T.J. Watt to Aaron Donald, and 
TJ Watt has better stats. It's not, you know, it's not light years above Aaron Donald. Okay. It's not, it, it, they're close, but what people don't understand, and this is where like, I, I get so livid with people about football. It's just like the Taylor Heineke. Got to say it like that. Got to say it. It's just like that. You see him play one game and you get all psyched. So let's look at this. Tackles, T.J. Watt, 53, Aaron Donald, 41. Sacks, T.J. Watt, 15, Aaron Donald, 13 and a half. Tackles for loss, T.J. Watt, 23, Aaron Donald, 12. Pressures, T.J. Watt, 55, Aaron Donald, 42. QB hits, T.J. Watt, 41, Aaron Donald, 26. Force fumbles, T.J. Watt, 2, Aaron Donald, 4. Pass mm-hmm. deflected, uh, T.J. Watt, 7, Aaron Donald, 1. Uh, interceptions, Aaron Donald, 0, T.J. Watt, 1. So, all but one category, T.J. Watt is better than Aaron Donald, statistically. This is where, if you don't know jack about football, you need to keep your mouth shut. Aaron is playing at defensive tackle position. I don't care that T.J. Watt puts his hand in the ground, too. That's flipping great. T.J. Watt is coming off the edge on a loaded defense, and he's usually getting blocked by a running back or a tight end. Aaron Donald is typically getting triple teamed by a center guard, center guard and running back combo, something of that nature. That like there there is no comparison here. All right. TJ Watt had a great year, and I'm certainly happy for him. I'm sorry he didn't get defensive player of the year award. Try harder next time. Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald's Miley Cyrus. He's a wrecking ball. He's just <laughs> there just pushing bammers around like uh, dude i'm not gonna lie when when the rams drafted him out of pittsburgh i i i don't know everything but i had never heard of this guy and i'm like who i had to reach out to some of my buddies who went to pittsburgh and they're like hey he's no joke and lo and behold here we are aaron donald's no joke and i'm telling you right now if J.J. Watt and T.J. Watt and Derek Watt and any other Watt want to keep this nonsense up, y'all are going to get your O-lineman hurt. Y'all are going to get your O-lineman hurt. Y'all keep messing around with this Bama. It's like Debo. Remember what happened when Red's dad got out of the car? You want some of this too, old man? No. No. That, that, <laughs> no smoke. I, matter of fact, that's what we should be doing. There should be a damn hole of all the O-linemen. You tell us who's defensive player of the year. That's how it should be. I bet you ain't none of them going to say nothing bad about Aaron Donald. So that's all I got to say about that. Um, I'd love to get into the Hall of Fame, but I'm going to p- pass it back to you real quick in case there's anything you wanted to say about the NFL awards. Nah, I'm good on it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's all opinionated. So, yeah, it. I understand where Bama's coming from with T.J. Watt, but at the same time, like you said, we're talking about a defensive tackle here. The fact that the stats are even comparable is unbelievable in itself. So, yeah, that's all I had to say, though. It's just, it's all opinionated. All right, well, I'm going to move us on to uh, talk about the Hall of Fame real quick. So, the 2021 National Football League Hall of Fame class, John Lynch, Calvin Johnson, Alan Fanica, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Tom Flores, Drew Pearson, and Bill Nunn. I mean, what a class. Um, the last two, 
I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about. I looked up some stuff about Bill Nunn. I know of Drew Pearson because he played for the Cowboys. Uh, you know, where I live, you're either a Redskins fan or you hate the Redskins. Some Bama Cowboys fans around here, unfortunately. And then, you know, old heads that would talk about the old days with Kilmer and Theismann, Sammy Ball, these different um, older players that some I might know of. Uh, but the main is the, is the first four or five. John Lynch, ridiculous hard-hitting safety for Tampa, spent the last few years of his career with Denver. Calvin Johnson, we all know about Calvin Johnson. Actually, him and a uh, another former Lions player, I think, just opened their um, – just started creating their own strand of marijuana and are opening a few dispensaries in Michigan. But really happy for Calvin Johnson. Unfortunately, most of his career was spent in Detroit. But, I mean, what a dude. Alan Fanica, um, he was a solid O lineman in the late 90s, early 2000s for the Steelers. Uh, I believe he was on both their championship teams. Uh, Peyton Manning, uh, I mean, we don't need to say anything about Peyton Manning, Mr. Omaha. Charles Woodson, I think other than Tim Brown, probably one of the last non-quarterback running back Heisman Trophy winners. Um, I was always a fan of Charles Woodson. Uh Right when he was drafted to Oakland, had a ridiculous uh, year. The year the Packers won the Super Bowl, I believe he won Defensive Player of the Year there. Tom Flores, I mean, Tom Flores is almost like when it took forever to get Art Monk mm-hmm. into the Hall. Tom Flores has two Super Bowls. I believe he was the first minority to win a Super Bowl as a coach. And man, I want to make sure I get this correct. I think he's the first minority to win um, a Super Bowl as a player and a coach. Uh, and I know there was a big campaign I was talking to you about earlier about um, from Coors Light trying to push Tom Flores to get in. So, you know, props to Tom Flores. Drew Pearson, I can't hate on you, man, just because you're a cowboy. I don't know a lot about you, but congrats on getting in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I, I can't hate. Bill Nunn, I went and did a little research. Apparently this guy was a scout for, I want to say, a good – maybe like 20, 30 years, he's highly credited with helping build the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of credit for discovering John Stallworth and Mel Blunt as they both went to uh, historic black college universities. And he also had a knack for finding, uh, like, you know, that whole uh, diamond in the rough, finding um, guys at small schools. So he went out and he's responsible for finding uh, Jack Lambert, who I believe went to Kent State. Uh, also, former Pittsburgh Steeler James Harrison went to Kent State as well. Those are two nasty dudes. Um, anywho, congrats to the Hall of Fame class. Uh, I literally, watching these guys, you know, being notified that they'll make it into the Hall, uh, I want to say for Manning, for Charles Woodson, uh, I, I got a little teary-eyed. Because, like I was telling you, these are guys I, I pretty much watched their whole careers. So, just a sign of times, man. Getting old. <laughs> but, uh, how about you, Mike? What do you, you got any uh, Hall of Fame thoughts? Um, Yeah, I got a couple. I was listening to the Kevin Sheehan podcast a couple of days ago, and he just went in on Drew Pearson, um, basically saying that if he, gets, if he got in, Gary Clark should definitely get in. Um, said that he Clark had more yards, more touchdowns, uh, played in more playoff games, won more Super Bowls, had more impact. 
um, basically said that Pearson only got in because he's a cowboy. Um, and that's not the first time I heard someone mention that Gary Clark should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, you ask some Redskins fans, and they'll tell you that he was the best receiver on the team and not Art Monk uh, during the couple of the Super Bowl victories. So, But as far as everyone else, um, I agree with what you said. It, it, um, Calvin Johnson making it, that's, that's what's up because we all knew he was going to get in. He retired early, but he, he was already a Hall of Famer maybe a couple of years before he retired. So it was no debate about that. Um, and speaking of no debate, uh, before we end this segment, they said it only took about 13 seconds to plead Peyton Manning's case for the Hall of Fame. And I'm I'm like, why did y'all even talk about it? <laughs> yeah. Like the man was getting in regardless of what anyone had to say. Um, I heard the vote wasn't unanimous. Um, that we we're, we're, we're definitely gonna talk about that if I can confirm it, but um yeah, Peyton Manning beast, basically a football god. Um and honestly you could say the same with Charles Wilson. Who didn't have a twenty four black Raiders jersey, bro? Uh, I just posted a matter of fact. I just posted a, a gif a couple of no, it was, yeah, it was this morning. Matter of fact, my friend was um, talking about how his brother always passed down their um, throwback jerseys, and I shared the gif of someone doing a Harlem Shake in a Charles Whitson jersey. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that's just I mean that's just what was going down in the early two thousands. Everybody, I mean, everybody had that black Charles Woodson jersey. So, um, congrats to him. And as far as Lynch, um, definitely deserving. Maybe he wasn't the the elite safety that um, we talk about when we talk about Atwater and uh, Sean Taylor, Brian Dawkins, um, Rodney Harris. He may not have been one of those types, but... He was perfect for what the Bucks needed. And when he got to Denver, he was an even better fit out there. Um, so, yeah, props to him. I think he ended his season, I mean, not season, he ended his career with the Patriots. And I remember watching his final game. It was a preseason game. And he told Bill Belichick, I just want to play. Um, I just want to go out there and play. And he said he was just out there having the time of his life, not following any assignments, just hitting because he knew it was about that was his last game. He knew it was over. So imagine a, a Hall of Fame vet in this final preseason game just smacking rookies all night. It was a cool yep. um, way for him to go out. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, go out on your own terms. Uh, you know, whether you agree with it or not, you can never be mad at that. I'll uh, I'll just throw in a name, too, when we're talking about all-time great safeties, and it, it doesn't really have anything to do with the name. I mean, proof is in the pudding. We're, we're going to go ahead and put Ed Reed at the top of that list. Oh, so. yeah. It, 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 I, for, I can't believe I forgot to mention him. Um, yeah, that, if we're talking safeties, he's – I love Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor never got close to Ed Reed. <laughs> never Ed got Reed. close. Ed Reed was that dude. Absolutely. 
All right, Mike. Um, so listen, man. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of stuff about this uh, regarding various sports, um, and I felt the need to talk about it. So transgenders in sports. Um, now I'm going to be a little more specific in talking about, uh, I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly, but men who are transitioning to women that are entering women's sports. Um, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of information where even a year after the transition is complete, that there's still, um, more hormones in the, these, these trans, uh, transgendered women. And it's becoming a problem to where, uh, people are taking legal action. Uh, I've seen where girls were, were uh, cross-country and track and field. Uh, they were state champions, things of that nature. And then the next year, uh, a transgendered woman uh, beats them for said title. Uh, I've also seen where there are transgender MMA fighters. Um, you know... I'm a pretty liberal person, pretty progressive thinker, and I, I don't want to bring politics really into this too much or at all. Uh, I'm not trying to stop anybody from following their dreams or their passion. I certainly don't want to get into the sticky situation of who's a boy or a girl. If, if you feel that you're a girl, it's America, you know, you do you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not trying to stop you. Um, also I want to throw this out there. I don't think that any of these transgendered women are making the transition specifically for sport and athletic gain. So having said that, I think there needs to be something looked into and done into maybe creating a league, um, for transgendered women to compete. I understand that that maybe sounds a little, separationist like or, or segregation of some kind uh, my point is this especially in regards to mma uh i believe there was a male mma fighter who then transitioned to a female mma fighter and i think she like broke a woman's skull now hey when you enter that octagon or that ring if you're a boxer or kickboxer or whatever you run the risk of getting injuries like that but when you have someone who was a male transition to a woman and they still have a lot of those hormones which is what i'm reading is that through these studies that that there's still a lot of that um for lack of a better word masculinity is what i'll say uh i'm trying to be politically correct here and not sound like i'm uh, you know i don't want to be insensitive uh because if people feel this way they feel this way and they're obviously going to deal with a lot of scrutiny and criticism so I don't want to add to that um, because I'm sure in, in some ways it's rough and maybe sports is their outlet. So I don't want to take sports away from them. Um, but I don't think anybody would like it if, you know, you have uh, a child, especially if your, your daughter is competing in sports. And then it's kind of like, well, now I have to compete against somebody who is physically better than me now on the other end you can say hey man get tough suck it up like try harder right but in the end I, I think most would understand where i'm coming from that it's a little bit of an unfair disadvantage especially the older you get you know if we're, we're getting into college sports um you know th th this can affect a number of different outcomes here, right? 
because now someone who would get a scholarship doesn't get one. And like I said, I don't think this is for, I don't think anybody is transitioning specifically to play a sport or to be better in a sport. But I mean, that's a, that's a part of it. And you can argue winning and losing is a part of life. Um, but it, it's a, it's a touchy subject. And I just felt like we need to talk about it a little bit. Uh, so for those of you that listen to the podcast and you talk to us, comments, et cetera, let me know how you feel. Let me know if you agree, or maybe there, maybe I need to be educated. Um, that's why I like to have these discussions and speak on some of these topics. Um, I hope, I hope anybody that hears this, that I haven't said anything offensive. Um, and if I have, I am sorry. Uh, but yeah, please let us know how you feel about this transgenders in sports. Um, looks like it's going to be something that is going to be more and more prevalent as the years go on. So uh, just my thought that we could maybe create a league. I don't do that to ostracize anybody or, or isolate anybody. Not at all. Just trying to create an even playing field. That's all. So right. um, it's funny that you say that. <laughs> I didn't take, I didn't take many notes on this because the topic itself is touchy. Um, these are people at the end of the day and they have the same rights as everyone else. Um, however, there is a clear scientific advantage between men and women. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but like I said, the only note that I had on this was that a transgender league is not the answer. (laughs) No matter how logical it sounds. That's like 100% discrimination, and it it wouldn't fly in today's climate. Like it, it straight up would not fly. However, like you said, like you said, um, regard especially regarding the UFC, um, transgender person, um, like I don't like the fact that we don't even know how to correctly address their gender. That's one problem that we're having. Um, the second problem is um, the, the, the clear competitive disadvantages that um, the women have in their sport. Like, it's, it's, it's a touchy topic. I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't know too much about it, and me too, I'm not trying to offend anyone. Even if I said transgender person, if that offended you, um, I'm sorry about that. Like I said, I'm trying to educate myself as well in this because I don't want um, a, I don't want a transgender person to feel like that they can't play sports anymore because people are going to think that they're cheating. But at the same time, we can't just round up all the transgender people and put them in one league um, because we don't know how to address the them in the men's or women's league. So it's 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 a lot and I do feel like something needs to be done, but it's not going to be easy. I don't know what to do, but something has to be done because we don't wanna we don't want anyone to get hurt and we want the playing field to be level. Um and we're talking feelings too. We don't want anyone feelings to get hurt. But it's something, yeah, this is, this is a lot. Like, we're on uncharted grounds with this. Yeah, um, I, I kind of, thank you for, for kind of 
speaking on that because um, now that I'm now that I'm looking at it, I, I guess that is certainly discrimination. And I and I was trying to think of that. I don't want to sound insensitive. My only thought was to create, like I said, an even playing field in the league where everybody is equal. Right. But I understand how that looks. I'm not trying to separate people and keep them from being able to compete at the highest level. Um, it's just all, like I said, in the spirit of, of fairness and equality. But, yeah, it, it's definitely um, definitely a slippery slope. So, mm-hmm. Like that is definitely the most logical thing. So if any if anybody ever thought that I don't want, um, I don't want you to think that you're a bad person because you came up with that, um, because that is the most logical thing. The only problem is is that it's also discriminatory, and yeah. me speaking as a black man, like I know like discrimination isn't cool at any stage. So um, yeah, I don't know what the answer is, but we. <laughs> We saw I saw a race, um, a female race. There was a transgender female in the race. Um, again, please, I'm 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 really not trying to offend anyone. I don't know um, the pronouns. Um, yeah, I don't want to offend anyone, but I'm just saying that it was a transgender woman in the race, and she smoked them. She smoked them. Um, in some instances, a dominating win happens from time to time. Yeah. But this win was just unbelievable. Well, I know there's several lawsuits out there. Um, and I, I'm sure those are, are tough. I, there's, uh, I, think, I think, one in Idaho. Um, and I think there's, you know, unfortunately, like I said, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep religion and politics out of this. But unfortunately, there are those who are filing lawsuits not really for any reason other than, you know, they're offended from a religious standpoint or something of that nature, um, which is unfortunate because, you know, the world we live in, people should be educated enough to know, like, you know, just because you don't agree with something doesn't mean it it, it is or isn't right or wrong. Uh, So, uh, yeah, touchy subject, but I I wanted to tackle it um, for my own education and because, uh, it's something that's going on in today's climate, and I feel like it'd be really easy for us to just keep talking about the same old usual stuff. So, um, you know, if, if anybody wants to come at us for any type of way, this was my idea. Uh, so thank you guys again for listening. So I think we're going to jump on to the next topic here. Yeah, the Caps. <laughs> so um, a couple of their games were actually postponed this week through the COVID um, reasons. I think the Bruins and Flyers had an outbreak on their respective teams. Um, the Caps, they had their outbreak a couple of months ago, I think. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot happening um, on that aspect. As far as the actual season, um, yeah, I'm, I haven't been following them. Honestly, the same with most sports outside of the NFL. It's just hard to follow because the rules are so different right now. Um, like I don't even know what division the Capitals are in. Can you please help a brother out? <laughs> yeah. So um, first and foremost, I think they just changed the name too. I should have this with me here. Uh, so I'm gonna talk a little bit about the Caps, and then uh, we'll get into it. So uh, yeah, 
yeah, it's the Flyers that uh, they just played. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, they played the Flyers and lost seven to four. They were up two nothing, and this has kind of unfortunately been the early story of the Caps. Um, is that uh, you know they they get up on teams, but then they can't close them out. Uh, right now, they have I think let me see one, two, three. Uh, their next three games are postponed. They don't play again until Valentine's Day and play the Penguins, big-time rivals mm-hmm. of Penguins who beaten us the last time we played them. Um, the, our last three games were losses. We lost three in a row. Uh, it, it's been a little bit of an up-and-down season. So we had a new coach, Peter Lavalleja. Lava, I can't even say his name, man. Ah. Hockey, is, hockey is tough. The, the hockey names are tough. I'm about to hit you with four more here. Mm. So part of our struggles – uh, you know, with COVID going on, there's COVID protocols. Four of our better players violated the protocol. I think, you know, when you go on the road, you stay in a hotel. Well, they don't want you to, they don't want anybody who is not rooming with anybody else to be in that room together. So only two to a room, that's it. Well, four of our Russian players, uh, Ilyo Samsonov, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Dmitry Orlov, and Alex Ovechkin, all violated that and they were suspended for four games on January 21st and the caps were fined a hundred thousand dollars. Um, since that Ovechkin has been back and I believe he has four goals in seven games. Um, listen, it's a new coach. They're going to experiment with their lines. Um, which is probably one thing that, that makes it hard for you to follow in hockey. They're constantly subbing guys in and out. And so most guys, play together on a line and you have you know x amount of lines and the caps are kind of stacked um i know most people know who uh ovechkin is most people know who nick batchram is but we got guys like evgeny kuznetsov jacob vrana uh carl haglin tj oshi tom wilson mm-hmm. no char is it no char like if you took I'm trying to think of a basketball player you know if you took davis bertans and you put him on ice skates that's how big Zidane Char is. Now, hockey players aren't typically, like, small, but they're not, like, tall like basketball players. Char is a little older, but he's a household name. We, we have a really solid team. We were looking like the team to beat. Unfortunately, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, who was a huge free agent signing, he's probably one of the better goalkeepers in the last, like, 10 years, Uh Apparently, he had some heart problems and had to have major heart surgery, so he's out this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going with Ilya Samsonov and um, uh, Vitek Vanacek, I believe is how you say his name. He's a rookie. So, uh, new coach, experiment with the lines, uh, young goalkeepers, and then the COVID situation has really kind of messed with us. Um, as far as the COVID stuff, the only thing I know is that uh, we had just played the Flyers, and then they had two different players come down with COVID. So that's why we postponed another game against them. And then because we want to, you know, have that 10 days of uh, quarantine, we are not playing against the Sabres either game. Uh, it's early in the year. <clears throat> Excuse me, early in the year, but uh, the Caps certainly have the talent. Um, and we're in the East Division. They, they used to have different names for the division. Um, so... Let me see here. Yeah, we're we're in the East Division right now. We're in third behind Philly, and unfortunately, the Boston Bruins are on top. Uh, but it's early. 
we are only about 12 games in. Still plenty of time to turn it around. Yeah, and I, I, I feel you with the stack roster. Um, yeah, it, I know it's early, so I'm not really panicking. And like I said, I haven't been paying attention. But that theme that you mentioned about them blowing leads, uh, coincidentally, oh, yeah. the last game I did watch was our um, during our recording last week, where they were up two nothing, and ended up losing four to three. So, I, I definitely can understand what you mean by that. And then speaking of being up, uh, <laughs> Bradley Bill is leading the guards in the Eastern Conference in All Star voting. I, I didn't expect that, but the man has been cooking this season for the Washington Wizards. The only problem is is that most of the team hasn't caught up to him. But they're playing better than they were. They're playing better right now than they were to start the season. But don't get it twisted. Scott Brooks still needs to get fired. They're not going to accomplish anything with that man. I don't know why he's still here, Eddie. Yeah. When we uh, decided that this would be a topic to talk about, even if it was sort of like a, a towards the end of the show, we didn't talk much about it. I just kept coming back to this reoccurring thing. You're going to laugh, and I get it. Man, I miss Randy Whitman. Like, what happened to, like, no nonsense? We're going to play defense. We're going to be in your face. We're going to be tough. We're not going to give up. I look at our games, and I know the NBA has kind of turned this way as a whole anyway. But I think our, our second and third game of the year are the only two games that opponents didn't score 100 points or more on us, all right? Now, having said that, to be fair to us, we have one of the most efficient offenses in the NBA. So there's a lot of times where we're probably going down, scoring real quick, and then the other team turns around and they run down to the other end before <laughs> we can play defense. Bradley Beal, who you mentioned, uh, man – I love that guy. Mm-hmm. So I thought John Wall was our first big draft pick, but I'm starting to liken Bradley Beal to a Ryan Zimmerman, and I'm hoping that Bradley Beal will win a championship with us the way Ryan Zimmerman did. If you ever look at it, Bradley Beal is extremely charitable, and he's also always rooting for the other D.C. teams. I see him rocking caps and Nats shirts all the time. He goes to the um, the, the Mystics games all the time. He's extremely supportive and ingrained in D.C. Uh, uh, culture. And, you know, dude is starting to get into elite company. Let me look. They're playing the Raptors right now, and they're only down six. And Beal has 20 points. Hmm. If mistaken, that how many games have we played now? So six and 15, so that's 21, and this will be 22. I believe that makes 22 games that he's had 20 points or more. And I'm pretty sure that puts him ahead of Michael Jordan. I think Michael Jordan's the only other person – that start of the season scoring 20 points in every game. Yeah, it looks like the Raptors got off to a big lead in the first half. Yeah. Um, ended the first quarter with a 12-point lead. Um, Wizards are chipping away at it right now, so I guess we'll find out on the next episode if they made the comeback or not. But, yeah, they it, they they allowed 92 points in the third quarter, so. Man. <laughs> But, man, Beal, like, he's something special, man. And what what makes it even crazier is you look at what's going on, and I know people have seen those pictures where he's just on the bench exhausted, and it's like you got a Ferrari in the garage of, like, a trashy trailer park or something, mm-hmm. right? 
Like, I get it. I get the analogies and all that. Beal wants to stay and help build a winner. And while there's not a ton of bright spots in this team, we went and picked up Alex Lynn. He used to play for the Maryland Terps. Um, he's actually, I think, been kind of solid. Like, I, I don't, he's not an all-star. He's not a world beater. But he gives all kinds of effort, and he goes to the rim with, like, a ferocious just intensity. Um, and I'll tell you another one who isn't always playing all the time. But uh, Mo Wagner, or Wagner, he's German, the kid from Michigan, he brings a lot of energy when he gets in. He's, he's taking charges. He's going up for rebounds. So you like to see that stuff from some of the uh, lesser-known guys. And I'll tell you, man, the one thing that really bummed me out, because I was kind of psyched when we got Westbrook. I didn't like giving up the first-round pick for him as well. But I think we... Our last game that we won against the Bulls, we played pretty good, and Westbrook didn't play that game. And I hate saying that because I, I don't want to link him to our bad play. You know, there's plenty of blame to go around on that. You know, it's okay to do it, man. It's okay because <laughs> you look at what Wall's doing in Houston and compare that to what Westbrook's doing in D.C. And, yeah, Westbrook might be putting up more stats, but it's useless. <laughs> It's useless, and I and I and I noticed something. I actually noticed it before he came here, but seeing him here now, I notice it even more. He pats his rebounds on free throws, free throw misses. Yeah. Like that's how he gets so many rebounds. Is is free throws that's missed during the game. If he's on the court, he's going to grab that rebound. <laughs> I, look, man, I can't be mad at him for beating the system there. Um, the only thing I'll say, I wanted John Wall to stay too, but it, it seemed like he didn't want to stay. And, I mean, that contract made it really, like, it was going to be really hard for us to do anything, paying him a lot of money and Bradley Beal a lot of money. But uh, it's not a perfect world we live in, so just got to roll with the punches. Yeah, and it's all good. Um, hopefully they fire Brooks, man, and next season we can come back with something better. But until then, just stick with Eddie and Mike. We'll <laughs> we'll talk about these Bamas as best as we can, and we'll also talk about other stuff. Um, it's the off season right now for NFL, so you know we'll tackle that every week. It's a lot of stuff will happen in between episodes, so yeah, just. Holler at us, follow us, send messages, join on us. We'll fire y'all back up. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, that's it, man. That's all I got for today. Anything else you got um, in the show, my guy? No, man. Just, uh, you know, just blessed to be alive for another day. Stay classy, DMV.